Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, just for a moment, just open your hearts again. I just, just need a moment with the Lord myself now. Oh God, you're so amazing. You're so awesome. You're so awesome, Lord. Come and speak into our hearts again, God. This is your church, Lord. This is your church, Father. We are your people. We are your people, God. We want to be a people set apart for you, Lord. The Lord is going to challenge us today. He's going to speak to us. He's going to release people today, I believe. So, Father, come, Holy Spirit, come. Come by your presence, Lord. Fill us anew. Fill us afresh. Speak to us, Lord. <laughs> speak to us, Holy Spirit. Come and come and speak through me. I cannot do it without you, God. I need you here now, Lord Jesus. Come and speak to us. Edify your bride for your son, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Phil mentioned earlier about politics, didn't he? And... There is chaos in the world, really. But we, in a way, we do thank God for a stable kind of government, don't we? It's not a hung parliament this time. <laughs> so it's fairly stable. But there's wars, there's earthquakes, there's governments in uproar all over the world, isn't there? The world is in chaos. Earthquakes. But we ain't got to fear, as Pastor Phil says, we haven't got to fear because the Bible says these things, doesn't it? The Bible says these things will happen. My security is not in who is in number 10. My security is not in my finance, in my house, in my health. My security is in Jesus. My security is in his promises. I haven't got to be fearful for what the world's doing and saying in chaos, Brexit or whatever it may be. My security is in him. And as Phil rightly says, and this is my introduction really, as the world is doing what it's doing, the church has been called out to be a light for the world. We have been called out. Church in the Greek is ecclesia, and in Spanish is iglesia for church, but ecclesia means to be called out. We've been called out to be different. We've been called out to stand amongst the world and say, look at us. We, we are the church of Jesus Christ. And this is a pattern of God through the whole Bible. After the flood, God wanted to call out a people's group, the Jews, to be different. To show the rest of the world it's not, not in the immorality, the way they worship other gods. But I'm going to show a people group, the Israel, the Judah, the, the Israelites, to be separate. And they will, people will look at them pointing towards God. And for a time it was happening. But they allowed themselves to get brought into the world. They allowed themselves to get contaminated with the world around them. They started to worship other gods from the other nations. They started to disobey God. And that upset God. That displeased God. They were dispersed across the nations. But God says, I will bring my people back. But in this time too, from that group, a Messiah was raised. A Savior was raised, not just for the Jews, but for the whole world. The church of Jesus Christ called out to be different. We are called out to be different. And in Revelation 19, verse 5 to 7, I just want to read this. We are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. I just want to set a foundation here. It says in verse 5, Chapter 19, then a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you his servants. We've been honoring servants today. We are to praise him. You who fear him, both small and great. 
Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, the roar of rushing waters and the loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. The Lamb. Jesus Christ. The wedding of Jesus Christ has come. And His bride has made herself ready. The church is the bride of Christ. And it says, has made herself ready. We have to make ourselves ready. Wow. Wow. It's our responsibility to make ourselves ready for the coming of Jesus. And He is coming again. Oh, He's coming again. But what's He going to find? Are we going to be like the parable of the ten virgins? Where half of them weren't ready for the groom coming. And when they rushed back to get the oil and came back, the door was shut. And He says, I never knew you. You weren't ready. Oh, my days. Oh my days, I don't want to be that church. I don't want to be that church. I want to be part of a church and a bride that's ready. So important. So important. So important. But we don't want to be contaminated by the world. A church, remember, is called out. When he comes, what's he going to catch you watching? When he comes... What's he going to catch you doing? Are you going to have one foot in the world as well as one foot in his church? The bride is an unstained, beautiful virgin, right? Dressed in pure linen, uncontaminated by the world and its pleasure and its lusts. We can't entertain these things. We have to be different. We have to be serious about that. What is Christ going to catch us doing when he arrives? And his bride too. Are we going to dress like the world? We want to be a church that's honouring him, his presence. Jesus will build his church. Jesus will build his church. But one of the main things that I believe in, the end, in these churches in, the, in these times is unity. Unity. There's power in Unity. We need to be a unified church. A unified church. In the Psalm 133, my main text, it says, Psalm 133. 133? 133. It's on the PowerPoint. Psalm 133. There we go. Hallelujah. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing even life forevermore. When God's people live in unity, it bestows a blessing from God. What more His church? We need to be a unified church. There's power in unity. Precious oil pouring down. That's the anointing. It's His presence. It's His Holy Spirit. And the Jew of Hermon, the, the contents of the of the the mist and the dew from the mountain that comes and lands on any land will make it fertile and produce great crops, great fruits. This is the result of God's blessing upon us. So we need to be a church in unity. But God's not left us alone. He's given us a helping hand to achieve these goals. He's only sent His Holy Spirit. (laughs) I mean, can't get any better than that. But over the years, what's happened? Church has been divided. Because man's trying to build church with rules again and regulations. But let Jesus build his church. We need to be have men and women who are led by the Holy Spirit. Move aside, Spirit. You come in and tell us what you want. We need to be a people who listen 
So many verses say, let them have an ear who hears what the Spirit is saying. We need to be a church who has the ears to hear what God wants to do in his church. Hallelujah. So we need the unity of the Holy Spirit. We need to be a church one in spirit. In the book of Acts, we can look back as a model really of the church, how it began. The church began in the book of Acts. In chapter 2, verse 1, it says they were all together, the followers, the disciples, in one accord, in one body, unified. They were in unity. And at the end of chapter 1, they were talking about the leadership being united. Judas had gone, and they replaced him with another disciple, and they were united in that decision. Moving forward into Jerusalem, they were united. They were worshipping together. And there's power in worship. There's unity in worship. Can you imagine the great multitudes all in one voice, one song? I love that song where it says, To our God with one song, to our God with one voice. Can you imagine everyone singing with that same heartbeat, that same passion to God? That will command a blessing. Oh, shanamandu. You know what I mean? Hallelujah. One voice, one song, lifting up to God. What can he do but just pour his blessing upon that? Oh, oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. So there they were, the disciples. They were one voice, one song. And the glory of God fell down and the Holy Spirit touched every one of them. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to have some fun today. Hallelujah. This is not a dead church. This is a church of the living Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. But what happens? So we've all got the Holy Spirit. We're all hungry for God. We recognize him as Lord and Savior. I need you, Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes. But he doesn't produce robots. That's the problem. We've all got our character flaws still. We've all got our flaws. The Holy Spirit is unity and beautiful, but he's in flawed characters. And the Bible says we go from glory to glory. We works in progress. He's pruning us. He's chiseling us. You know? How does that work? You know? I'm going to have an example. Danga here, right? 20 years, 30 years, whatever. How many years you want to put on him? Right? Filled with the Holy Spirit. A wonderful, gracious man of God. Oh, he's just so powerful in God. Comes out of his drive in the morning, goes on the motorway, a car cuts him up. God bless you. <laughs> right? He's full of grace. Nothing, nothing stops him. And there's poor, poor Lisa, just been a Christian a few weeks, been on the Alpha course. Okay? Run by herself. Three weeks, goes on the M11, a car cuts her up, and there she is, horn going, come on, what are you doing? But the Holy Spirit speaks to her. It, it rebukes her. She goes, what are you doing? I shouldn't be acting like this. She goes, oh, forgive me, Lord. Yeah, I've got to react, but I'm a Christian now. I need to, to, to show I'm a Christian. She says, she's got the Christian bumper sticker on us now, so she's really determined. Okay. Next day, next week, Dang has not had a good night's sleep. Mr. Man of God, he's had a bad night's sleep. The wife's kept him up with the flu. The children hurt their ankles. They're in plaster. He's had a bad day, but as he's on the M11, a car cuts him up, and suddenly the red mist hits. Suddenly, he's like, oh, dang, he slipped out. He said something, he did something. What happened? Then Lisa, the next day, she's on the M11. She's remembered what happened. She's got the bumper sticker. She remembers, God bless you, as the car cuts her up. So what's happened? We're on different stages of our journey. But that shows how easy it is. Day by day, we've got to recognize that in the spirit, we need to recognize where each and every one of us are on our journeys. We're all characters with different flaws. We're all going to wake up. We're all going to have headaches. We're all going to have bad days. So we need to be patient with one another. Unity in the spirit. Let's recognize where each and every one of us is on our journeys. And that Superman God, Danger, man of God, one day he might have a bad day, you know. And Pastor Phil, God bless him, he might have a bad night with his children. Who knows? 
We're all human beings, flawed. But God is doing a work in us. Let's be patient with one another. The unity of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, these are what we need to be displaying day by day. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is unity of the Spirit. We need to be displaying these fruits day by day, learning to walk and drive with the Holy Spirit, right? Now, we always pick on driving, really. I've got many Christian sermons and conferences, and driving is always one of the big ones because <laughs> it's safe, really. What about lusts and, and gossip and things? These are the key areas, too, that we need to be monitoring in our lives. They're the ones that we need to be checking on and asking God and his Holy Spirit to change us day by day, to form us into him, to his bride. Remember, we are the bride. We don't want no stain on the bride. We want Jesus to come for his bride ready. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So we need to work to replace the sinful nature. But the Spirit of God, we need to remember we need to be determined to change. We need to be determined to change. If you just casually, I question whether the Spirit of God really is in you. If you're determined to follow Jesus and you recognize that he went through that pain and suffering for you, you'll be determined to change, wouldn't you? I recognize what he'd done for me and I want to be like him. I want to change for him. And when I do slip up, I say, God, I'm so sorry, Jesus. I let you down there. I'm so sorry. And that's the mercy of God, that when we do slip, just come back to him again, open your heart, and you're restored. But with all your heart, that's the unity of the Spirit, too. We need to do that before God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as I said, you cannot compromise, have alliances with the world. Don't let the world push things on. That are not godly. I challenge you know it's a difficult one. If you're a Christian in environments where they make you wear a lanyard with rainbow colors. Or lapel badges. Or rainbow laces. Would you stand for Christ in those moments? Or would you compromise your faith in those times? Not just with things like that but other things that the world pushes on. Are you going to stand for Jesus Christ? We hear many stories now of. The baker who refused to bake a cake for that gay couple. And the hoteliers who refused to let a homosexual couple sleep in their B&B. They make a stand. They won't compromise. And when Jesus comes, Jesus will find them. Stand for the principles of the kingdom of God. They were not letting them come in and be compromised with the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Because the Holy Spirit too distinguishes you apart from the world. When the Holy Spirit fell on Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, verse 13, the Holy Spirit fell and they were praying in tongues and acting a bit funny and strange, falling over, laughing. And all the other Jews said to them, well, they've made fun of them and said they had too much wine. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's always a critical spirit around questioning you. Are you you're over the top. You're over the top. But your Holy Spirit sets you apart. They made fun of them. Who's, I've been a Christian for 15 years now. I've had people make fun of me for my faith. And as I move on in the things of the Spirit... People have certainly made fun of my beliefs in the speaking of tongues and other things of the Holy Spirit. Somebody talked to me about their faith and I said, well, you should come to my church. Oh, I'm not going to your church. You speak in that funny language. You speak funny. And it's all weird things go on. I said, well, you don't know your Bible. This is how the church was birthed. They spoke in funny tongues. They rolled around on the floor. They were drunk in the spirit. Oh, come on in this, see. I, I love being drunk in the spirit. Can I be honest? I love it. 
Oh, the, the last couple of evenings in my living room, I tell you, it's like a bar. I tell you, I am swooning. <laughs> my wife comes in, she's to leave because the whoa, the aroma. I'm loving it. It's refreshing. His presence. Better than wine. Paul says it's better to be drunk on the spirit than on wine. Oh, come on, I was swooning in my living room. <laughs> I love it. I love his presence. And yes, it would attract criticism. I understand it would attract criticism. Because it looks a bit odd. But if it's in the Bible, and that's how the church was birthed, I'm going for it. I've got to go for it. And tell you what, and having that, it's released me. It's released me to new levels of worship. It's released me to new levels of intimacy with him because he's a spirit. God is spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. Right? Sometimes in the natural, I run out of things to say, to pray in. Things get so dark and, and difficult. I don't know the words anymore in my natural to pray. But when the Holy Spirit is and I pray in the spirit, in tongue, He groans for me on my behalf. There's an unlimited scope of language. In my natural, there's a limit. I've run out of words. I've run out of vocabulary to pray. But the Spirit groans on my behalf. The enemy will say, you don't need to pray in tongues. You can be a Christian without speaking in tongues without the Holy Spirit. That's a lie from the enemy. Because when you get the Spirit of tongues, that is a massive, powerful weapon in your arsenal. Hallelujah. I'm never going to say Arsenal and powerful many times this season, that's for sure. So I thought I'd slip that in there. It's a powerful weapon in your arsenal. Hallelujah. Because when you're down and you're in your darkest moments and you can't pray, you pray in the Spirit of God. I do not understand it. You're breaking chains. New levels of intimacy and worship. In the Spirit of God. We need to be a church united in this truth. The Holy Spirit breaks chains. We need to be a people of the Spirit. Because God is Spirit. He is looking for worshippers in a church. In Spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm just going to have a little drink. Thank you Lord. (laughs) Thank you Jesus. He's so good His presence. Because if I have that moment with His Spirit... I know it's, I'm doing my very, very best that he is the one speaking through, <laughs> not me. Hallelujah. We've just honoured the servants today in the church. And there are many more we want to bless, I know. But there is unity in serving. There's power in the unity in serving. Hallelujah. We want to serve you, Jesus, because we want to serve you. That should be it, shouldn't it? Why do you want to serve in church? Because I want to serve Jesus. Hallelujah. A servant heart is a humble heart. It's a humble heart. And because that's the nature of God. Throughout the Old Testament, Isaiah 57, 15 says, I live in heaven in a high and lofty place with those who are humble in heart. Not pride. We need to have a Humble heart as a servant as Jesus demonstrated. It's not about positions in heaven. It's not about, I have this gift and I should be next to Jesus, on, next to his throne. And, you know, Jesus responded in, in Matthew 20 to the mother of Zebedee's sons, James and John. She brought her son and said, Jesus, I, I want my sons next to you in heaven. <laughs> one on the left, one on the right. <laughs> What a strange request. And But Jesus responded in this, in this verse in Matthew 20, verse 26. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And verse 28. And just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many To adopt a servant heart as your Lord and Saviour. This is the DNA of his bride. The bride has to get herself ready. That includes the body getting herself ready with this heart attitude of serving. A united attitude to serve. It's not about giftings. Oh, but I'm moving in the gift of healing. 
I'm moving in the gift of prophecy. I've got words of knowledge. Well, I've got a word for you. Serve. 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 Hallelujah. Oh, Shannon, Serve. Serve. Because we can't let our giftings take us where our character cannot take you. Don't let it do that. God, once he's given the gifts, he won't take them back. So be determined to change your character. Serve the Lord with all your heart. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and serve the Lord, it says. In Acts chapter 6 in the early church, the early church is always a good example to go back to, to see how they did it. To see how they did it. In Acts chapter 6, there was a need in the church. There was a need. There was, we have it here, let's read it. In those days when the number of disciples were increasing, the church was growing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Now, some of the English there looks very wait on tables, like you're a waiter or this kind of... This is the distribution of charitable gifts, the distribution of serving the poor, the hungry in the church, serving one another in the church. That's what it means. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom and we will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. Isn't it funny there, Stephen and Philip, two of the same names that are still around today. I don't see many Procuruses in the congregation today. Is there any many Nicanors? No. Stephen and Philip again. Right. A convert to Judaism. Hallelujah. So this is not disciples neglecting or, or, or cheapening a service in the church. It's not. Feeding the poor feeding those amongst you who are the widows of your... This is a massive heartbeat of God throughout history. He loves the widows. He loves the orphans. It has to be the heartbeat of the church. And what happened when they appointed these Holy Spirit-filled men in the ministry of distribution of charitable gifts? We read it in verse 7. It says, So the word of God spread... It enabled, then you see, the ministry of the word to be preached. The word of God spread because they were released to do what they were called to do now. And then the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The number of disciples increased rapidly. I've got another word for rapidly. Quickly. Even quicker. So quick. The church grew because a need was met. We need that model. We need that model. There's a need in our church right now. We'll always be a need in the church for these ministries. Toy, can I ask you to come up here, Toy? Toy is our treasure kids worker. And pink t-shirt steward. Anyone with a pink t-shirt steward team? Cafe team, Danga, come up please. Stewards, any stewards here? Laura, can you pull up? Oh, okay. Cindy, you can come this afternoon, Cindy. <laughs> can you stand on here? Stand up here. Worship team, a member of the worship team. Come on, member of the worship team, come up here. Gardening team, come up here, gardening team. We need gardening team up here as well. Hallelujah. Treasure kids, right. Imagine toys wearing a bright blue jumper now, okay. <laughs> yeah? And welcome team, we need one member of the welcome team. Can you come up, please? Right, so here we have a team. There's a need in the church. 
to enable the church of Jesus Christ to grow. We need servants, Holy Spirit-filled people who want to say, I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve. Because when we fill positions, when we have a team ready to work with the young children downstairs, parents will come to the church and say, I'm going to that church because they fulfill a need for my children to be taught the word of God. It attracts families. It attracts people. Children are being blessed with the word of God. But we're shortage of staff, aren't we? We're shortage of some volunteers. Now, perhaps you've got a child and you come every week and you drop them off. Perhaps once a month you can go onto the rotor and say, I'm going to support this because I want that heartbeat. I'm going to sow into this because I want to see the church of Jesus grow. I want my children fed, so I'm going to give my time for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Coffee team. Black coffee team. Man of God, Danga. He's everywhere, you see. Oh, he's so holy. The word of God says to, Paul says to Timothy, we need to stir up the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But we need people to stir up the coffee and the tea downstairs. So come on board. Steward teams. You know, the, the, it's been hoovered, it's been cleaned. There's toilet rolls in the toilet. Who wants to do that for Jesus? I'm putting toilet rolls in the toilets for Jesus today. I'm serving in the house of the Lord. We've got worship. Drummers. We need drummers. We need Holy Spirit filled worshippers. To lead us one voice, one song into the presence of God. Hallelujah. We've got welcome team. Beautiful people welcoming the people on the door. Smile, Lewis. Anybody else want the job? Can? No, no, seriously. We need welcome team members. And my wife, she's the gardening team. As well as other things. She's pruning the hedges and the bushes. She planted all those bushes in the car park years ago. We need people to garden and help. Why is that? That's not important. Not important. New people come in and they see overgrown in weeds. This is the house of God. I'm not going there. This is the house of the Lord. The Bible says in the Old Testament, you live in your nice houses. What about my house, my temple? This is his church. We want the presence of God in this church. We need it to make it look nice. We've even dug up the lawn now and put a car park at the front to save save mowing, to make it look nice. We're doing our best. Ramon, come here. Quickly, Ramon. Right? We've also got maintenance teams. <laughs> maintenance teams as well. Ramon, you know, I'm going to ask you all a question, right? And the answer's going to be... <laughs> it's for the Lord Jesus, his bride, and his kingdom. So Ramon, after a full day at work... You're tired. You can go home to your wife. But you come into church sometimes. You pick up your paintbrush and your screwdriver. Why do you do that? Because God leads me to do his work. And that's what I need to do. It's not because people. I mean, people is just people. God is the one who gives me the strength. And it's also for Jesus and the bride, of course. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So why do you serve doubles, Lewis, on the welcome team? <laughs> to get lots of hugs and blessings. <laughs> no, 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 no. And? No, no, and to serve the Lord. To serve the Lord. Amen. See, to servant heart every time. Same answer, isn't it? Good. Why do you do? Why do you commit yourself to hours and hours of preparation for all the children, Toy? Why do you pour your heart into this? We're equipping young children for the kingdom of God who grow into leaders for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Come on. Man of God, give us a Holy Spirit-filled answer. 
for the Lord Jesus, his bride, and, what, and, what? and his kingdom. Amen. Hallelujah. Precious Laura, you cycling from Cherry Hinton so far. It's not inconvenient for you to serve the Lord. Why do you do it, Laura? For the Lord Jesus, his bride, and his kingdom. Amen. Good answer. Hallelujah. Beautiful Tim Wani. You drum away in that. Fishbowl. Shut away. But you love the Lord. But why do you want to do this? For the Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just take a seat in the front row for a moment, could you? I need you back in five minutes. Hallelujah. That's got to be the heartbeat, isn't it, of servant? You want to serve him. I want to serve the Lord. When the rotors come out, you should be going, when am I serving in the house of the Lord? When am I next serving? When am I on the rotor next? It's a joy to serve the Lord. And I forgot the parking team as well. Ah, Parking team. (laughs) It's so important. Oh no, he's talking about parking again. It's so important. It's the first place people will come into when they see the church. We are limited with spaces. I need to manage it well. We need to manage it well. So for one hour on a Sunday morning from 9 to 10, could anyone volunteer to say, I want to do that. I'm going to help park those cars well. I'm going to put them in tight. I'm going to make sure families are coming into this church well. It's important ministry. Over the months, I've seen many people arriving at certain times. And because we've released cars and people are parking away, people with disabilities are coming in late, coming in, being blessed by the word of God, and walking down the stairs instead of going up down in the elevator. Because we've released it and recognized it as a need in the church. It's a need in the church. It's a small thing? No, it's not. The, ministry, the word of God grew in Jerusalem, not just because the, ministry, the word was being preached, it's because it was being preached as they were distributing the charitable gifts. Stephen was a man full of the Holy Spirit. He did not let his gifts stop at the door whilst he was still distributing all the gifts of the charity. Of the charity. He would have been dished out some soup and some bread and he would have seen a, a woman with a broken arm or a hit of healing. He would have prayed for her because the Bible says the people saw what he was doing. Signs and wonders followed him in his servanthood. The signs and wonders will follow you. If you want to take on a mantle or wear the robe of a prophet, an evangelist or a pastor, you need to be wearing the first robe of a servant. That's the first robe you need to be wearing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we need to have a right attitude when it comes to serving God. If you're on the rotor and you think, oh, I'm on the rotor this week, I need to come into church. That's the wrong attitude. It's the wrong attitude. And if you only come when you're on the rotor and you're not here any other time, I'm going to ask you politely, come off the rotor. You've got to come off. You're not serving the Lord Jesus with all your hearts. We want a, ch- a bride that's serious about Jesus. Serious about Jesus. We want people who want to serve with all their hearts. Not grudgingly. Oh, well, I can't do doubles, you know. I've got lunch at one every week. Well, I'm sorry, Jesus died for your inconvenience. For once a month, you can't have your turkey at 7 p.m. What's that about? For once a month... My wife and I, we love serving in the church. It's not about what giftings and God's called you to be in the future. The heartbeat is to be united in serving his house, serving his bride. You know, we were given words 10 years ago about glorious things. I thought that's ridiculous. But when we first came to this church seven years ago, our words were, let's find a church where we can grow and we can serve. There has to be the heartbeat. There has to be the heartbeat. Jesus did not die and take a cup of suffering so you you find it inconvenient 
to do a shift on the rotor. Forgive Jesus. We need to think about our heart attitude to serving in the house of the Lord. I want this church to have a bestowed blessing upon it by God. I want it to, that Psalm 13, I want that blessing, that oil to drip through this church. But with that attitude, it's not coming. We need to be united in our servant heart for Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus displayed many acts of servanthood all the way through, especially in the washing of the disciples' feet. You all know the story at the end of the Last Supper when Jesus came off the table, put on a towel, and started to wash the feet of his disciples. And he says, I'm doing this. First was a representation that I'm washing away your sins. But this act, this humility, this humble act, is one you will do for one another. As well as serving the church, we need to serve one another. We need to look out for one another. It's sad when a member may be falling ill and, and is off the radar. We've lost track of what's going on with that individual. We need to be looking out for one another. We need to be serving one another. Hallelujah. You know, we look at the Apostle Paul and superstar evangelists, we'd call him now, wouldn't we, or something today? You know, oh, he, he, he was on tours, he was sell-out stadiums. The Apostle Paul, his heart was the most selfless servant heart you could ever want. The Apostle Paul was stripped of himself. He served his church. His heart was always longing for the church back home in Jerusalem and the churches that he planted. His heartbeat was for the poor and for serving Christ. I love what Paul said. In the book of Acts, he was recalling, he was recalling his meeting with Jesus. And Jesus says, I've appointed you as servant and minister for me. A servant and minister. Hallelujah. And then in Romans 15, in Romans 15, verse 25 to 27, Paul is writing to the church in Rome. He's been invited to go to Rome. God, he should be there, shouldn't he? Oh, I'm being invited to I'm on the way to Rome. I'm going to preach in Rome. We'd all want to go there. He'd want to go there, wouldn't he? But no, what's happened is... He's telling the church, I want to come to you. I want to be there. I want to preach to you via Spain. But no, this is what he says. Now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. He's going back to his local church. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Wow. He's picking up offerings on his journey. So he said, take them back to the, the church back in Jerusalem. Feed the poor in Jerusalem. Take it back. And they were pleased to do it. And indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. Wow. Wow, they were sacrificing their material blessings, their money, to help the church back in Jerusalem. Paul's heartbeat was always for the bride of Christ. Paul worked so hard for the bride of Christ. He just wasn't just thinking about his ministry, his evangelism ministry. No, he was looking after the church too. He had a heart for the local church. And that should be our attitude too. In Galatians 2, 9 to 10, he, re he reiterates what he said there. All they asked, that was the disciples about Paul, was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Your humble servant heart, serving one another, looking out for one, is, a uni is unity among the body of Christ. And this is the bride that Jesus is looking out. Hallelujah. I mean, I was blessed five, six weeks ago, end of October, a sister in the church wanted to move house from Ely to Cambridge. Single mother with two children, Rose Wheat and... Um, John Louis asked me to put on the message to the men's group saying, come on, she needs help to paint the, her new house and to move. And it was such a difficult thing. And I, and I was putting this message together and I, I really was challenged. I thought, am I going to, can I sort of force some time here? Can I, can I help in any way? And as I sent the message off, I was thinking, wow, God, I, I'm challenged by this. And thank God, thank God that Brother Z, <laughs> Brother Z texted everyone saying, I've got a van. 
Z's a man with a van. And Z's got so much faith that he thought he could put two van loads in one. He was wrong. He was so wrong. He's a good man, you know. He, he eagerly hired the van out of his own wallet to help his sister, but he got the maths wrong. We needed a full day to move. Such a... And we turned up there. And I was, and it was, it was Halloween day. I had a fright that day when I walked into her house. I thought, we're never going to get this done. I saw the biggest wardrobes in history ready to be dismantled. A piano. <laughs> the biggest ever suite. God bless Rosemary. She's not here today. But we love her. And I asked her permission to share this story with her. But she was a sister in need that day. Because when we walked into that living room, she cried. Because she was overcome with the task that was ahead of her. She was working full time. and She was overcome and I was touched. I said, come on, for five minutes we prayed for five minutes. Lord Jesus, you need, we need you today, right now, to serve one another, to, to come here. Holy. Give us the peace as we somehow manage this impossible task. But with you it's all possible, God. And it was an amazing, amazing day. And I knew but when I took the commitment to do that, we had a group that night and I, I forwent that to do this. And I knew I'd be blessed because I was looking into the breaking of the pizza and Coke at lunchtime. And it was an amazing gift. Communion with the brothers. A couple of more helpers from Ely came and helped. Thank God for them. And uh, it was such a joy. And 12 hours later, we'd done that last van load because there was more than one van load. You know it, brother. There were more helpers there on the other end. Tim and Chris there and, and Martha, amazing. All helping Rosie, moving everything in. And, they said, well, we, and we had a little worship and prayer in that living room that night. I'm telling you, the glory of God fell in that place. It was so beautiful. There was tears of joy. And Rosie was now singing tears of joy. Because we were helping one another. And the oil of God was in that place, I'm telling you. It was such a joy. And Rose Wheater's heart was incredible because the first thing she wanted plugged in and wired in was the cooker so she can cook a meal for the African night in two days' time. That's the heart of a servant. That's what pleases Jesus. That's my bride. Coming together to help one another. The heartbeat of Paul. The heartbeat of this church. We need to make that more. That's so beautiful. And I went home with a bad back, but hey, I was blessed. I was so blessed. Hallelujah. Philippians 2, verse 5 to 7, Paul summarizes, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. The nature of a servant. It's where it's at. It's where it's at. There's power in worship, in spirit, in serving. But there's power in the unity of forgiveness. There's many other unities. I can have a 10, 20 point sermon about unity. But we've only got time for a few. And I want to close with unity of forgiveness. So we can have the team back up here. Come on. Team back here representing all the bodies of the Christ. We need, we need an evangelist here as well, don't we? Come on. Patrick the evangelist, come up here. Get up there, Patrick the evangelist. Right. Move along, move along. Patrick at the end there. That's it, stay there. We need a, something's missing from the head of this body here. The pastor, the pastor. Come on. Pastor Phil, go next to the evangelist. Go again. That's it. Hallelujah. Right, I want you all to link arms. Can you all link arms? Look at that. Unity. They're united. They're working for one goal, one heartbeat for Jesus. They're all wearing the T-shirt, blue T-shirt. Imagine that. King's Church. The hammer in his hand. The Bible in his hand. Another Bible in this man's hand. It's unity. 
On the outside, it's unity. Look at them. Beautiful. The church is producing a beautiful body, isn't it? Look at them all. Hallelujah. But what's going on on the inside? What's going on on the inside? Are they united in their hearts? Is there division amongst them inside? Only they know what's going on inside their hearts. Are you hiding anything? On the outside, it looks like we're all pulling in the right direction. But the enemy is a liar. The enemy is divisive. He'll want to come in and destroy this. This is the bride of Christ. The son of God. The enemy is not going to take it lying down. He will try and destroy the bride of Christ. He is doing his very best to divide the heads of the church, to divide the body of the church. He will gossip. He will cause division. We need to be careful. So imagine there's a fallout here. There's a fallout. There's a bit, some gossip going on. And it's affecting this part of the body. All of a sudden, there's disunity. They're all linking arms. They're all praising and singing, how great is our God. But there's division. It's so subtle. We need to kick it out. Forgiveness is a big one. Oh, it eats away, it eats away, it eats away. And if there's unforgiveness here, you've got to say, I want to be united back again to my dad. So you've got to say, Dad, forgive me. Forgive me. And then she unites again. There's power in forgiveness. There's unity in forgiveness. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, Laura, she's holding secret grudges. She's now not connected. Patrick shouting fuego in Argentina, bringing many to the Lord, right? Phil's preaching wonderful sermons, but over here, she's holding grudges. You've got to let it go. Let those grudges go. Be united again to the body. Hallelujah. We need to be one body, one spirit, one God, one Jesus, one bride. Hallelujah. And the keys, Max. The enemy will want to cause division in marriages, in the body of Christ, because the, the wedding supper of the Lamb is coming. It's a marriage between Christ and his bride. It's ordained by God. So where the enemy will come in with division... We must be aware. We must be astute. It's a spiritual warfare. It's a spiritual warfare. We must be in the spirit to understand sometimes what the enemy is doing. And we need to be wise in how we answer sometimes. We need to be answering sometimes in silence because our words aren't going to come from the spirit from our, but from our flesh. We need to be wise and to be aware that the enemy is the one who wants to cause division, not the people per se. But there's an enemy spirit behind it sometimes that will make people say things to cause you harm. God says it throughout his Bible. There are false accusations sometimes, but you need to bring it to God. God, I'm going to rest in you. I forgive so I can be united in your bride. Because I want to be part of a bride that is right for Jesus when he comes. That's my heartbeat. I just want to be ready for him. It says the bride is going to make herself ready. That includes you and you. We've got to make ourselves ready for him. Take off the dross of the world. No more marriage to the world, but marriage to Him in His spirit, His joy, His peace, His love, His joy. More of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh God. Shall we stand? I'm going to close with this. One spirit, one body. One heartbeat for Jesus. Going back again to Pentecost, the birth of the church. Where it bore unity. Where it bore the Spirit of God. Where it bore servants. Where it bore the beautiful hearts of Stephen and Philip and the others and disciples and 
and the joy of all that it brought, the unity. They made themselves available to God. They made themselves available to God to use. The day of Pentecost represented a couple of festivals that God had ordained in the Old Testament. And in Deuteronomy, when it explains these festivals, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Tabernacles, in Deuteronomy 16 verse 10, it says, Then celebrate the Feast of Weeks to the Lord your God by giving a free will offering in proportion to the blessings the Lord your God has given you. So that's the, the festival behind the Pentecost. So what can you come and give to God in proportion to what he's given you? What can you give? 20 quid? <laughs> one service a month? One rotor a day? One rotor a week? What can you give to God? A free will offering. That means he's testing you. What do you. How do you perceive how I've blessed you? How do you perceive I've blessed you in your life? Bring to me what you think. I want to see. The disciples and the followers gave him their lives. Gave him everything. Oh God. I was so joyous. That's why they were worshipping unity, singing in unity, because they recognized that God, we can't outgive you. Have everything. Have our lives. Have our lives. And in verse 11, it says, And rejoice before the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. And he's chosen you as a dwelling for his name. He's chosen our bodies. He's chosen us individuals as a dwelling place for his name. (laughs) And the holy God of Israel, the holy God of the universe, would choose us. Can we rejoice in that? It's good news. He's chosen you, man of God, as a place for him. Hallelujah. So I don't know where you are now. Say, God, you know, I've fallen shook about... I'm now going to bring my free will offering. So in your hearts, whatever you think your free will offering is, just bring it to the Lord right now in prayer. What is, in proportion to what God has blessed you with, what is your free will offering to God now? Father, we recognize this is the bride of your son. We represent the church here, the bride of your son. bring my life to you God my offering proportion to what you've given me God is everything I give you my life Lord God I give my life as an offering to you fill me with your spirit God your Holy Spirit fill me fill me with your spirit God There's power in unity, team. There's power in unity, church. Do not leave here today with any unforgiveness. Forgive. Serve with all your heart. Serve with your eyes on the King. Serve well. Come and see us. Say, put me on the road to Steve. Put me on the road to Joe. Make me on doubles. And when the church grows, there'll be trebles. Put me on that as well. Oh, I want to serve you, Lord. I want to serve you, Jesus. Oh, to serve you, Jesus, is all we want. It's a pleasure and a privilege to serve Jesus because when you serve him, you're getting closer to him. If you do it with all your heart. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org.
If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.